Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Michael Kresge on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. Bacurau is the new film from Brazilian filmmakers Kleber Mendonça Filho and Juliana Donels. It has a pulp thriller premise with a radical heart. A small rural community becomes the target of a mysterious, heavily armed group of foreign white tourists. But the Bacurau residents don't give up, and the result is what Ella Bittencourt calls, in our March-April issue, a blistering portrait of resistance. You might know the filmmakers from their prior work on the films Neighboring Sounds and Aquarius. For their latest, I sat down with Bittencourt on her recent visit to New York and discussed the film's resonance with Brazilian history and the filmmakers' consistently thoughtful and dazzling technique. You can also read Bittencourt's interview with Mendonça Filho and Dornels in the same issue, and our special interview podcast from the New York Film Festival. Let's go now to our discussion of Bacurau. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Nick Rapol, the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and we are going to talk about Bacurau, which is opening March 6, and was a prize winner at the Cannes Film Festival, showed in the New York Film Festival, and generally has been performing like a house on fire to talk about it. I have here the author of a feature in our March-April magazine, which is now available, uh, a feature about Baccarat, which is both an essay and an interview with the directors. I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Ella Bittencourt, and I'm a critic and a curator and organizer of various retrospectives um, and currently based in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yes. So, and we were very happy that you you were able to get an interview with them in Cannes, um, and then you followed up with them with some phone calls. Um, I mean, they must be pretty pleased about how this movie is doing. Yeah. I mean, I think they're they're very much the sense that I got from Clever and from Giuliano is that they're very much looking forward to how it's going to actually do in the U.S. and mm-hmm. to have that exchange with the American public because it's such an homage to American genre cinema and of course not only American but when you think of like the thriller the western um, mostly American with some mixture of Italian but it has done really really well in Brazil Mm -hmm. so I think they're going to be coming fortified here with a sense of you know of their presence in the cinemas for weeks Mm -hmm. and weeks on end I mean I think I interviewed them Again, about two weeks ago, and Bacurá was still playing in certain parts of Brazil. Oh, wow. And so, um, and you know, I, I've seen pictures of what Welcome in Garden Recife. They're both from Recife, so this is their mm-hmm. hometown. There's a gorgeous, big, old-style art house cinema there, San mm-hmm. Luis, that I've never been to, but I certainly have heard of it and saw pictures of it. I saw those lines going around the corner. Oh, cool. So I think for them, that was pretty spectacular. That's very nice. And he, um, Kleber, is from Recife. Yes, they both are. They I both think. are, okay. I, um, I think they both are. Both yes. are, yeah. Um, well, let's start, just in case people haven't seen Baccarat or read about it, if you could just give a little plot recap because i mean the great thing about the movie is that 
it's very, it's there's like there is an elevator pitch for the movie. Like it's a very, very compact um, um, premise. Right. So my pitch would probably go: a young doctor <laughs> comes back to her hometown in uh -huh. pretty much the middle of nowhere, <laughs> uh, to this very diverse and loving community that all of a sudden is attacked by outside western whites is that accurate and must defend itself yes that's and good. does and does ferociously <laughs> yes there you go i i would buy the movie i have just bought the movie <laughs> okay. but it has already been acquired uh by kino lover who's distributing it in the united states um yeah so i mean it, it already has this kind of genre friendly premise to it but they use that as part of like this enormous canvas to develop uh, a number of ideas um and the idea of resistance and the feel of resistance. And in your feature, um, one of the ideas that I liked a lot um, that you kind of open with, partly because it, it, it goes back to your original experience of seeing it for the first time at Cannes, was the moment when you're watching something that is sort of feels like a social drama with maybe a little intrigue going on. Um, you know, she's she's coming back, the doctor. Teresa. Teresa is doctor. coming back. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen. And, and it's so it's basically a little village portrait. There's a, there's sort of a mourning celebration, uh, not mourning tribute kind of scene for a matriarch who has passed away. But you don't know where it's going to go from there. Um, and the experience for you that was great was how that kind of ruptures and, and morphs into something else um, as, as, as the villagers realize that something is afoot. Yeah, I mean, every time I come to the film, and I've seen it a few times, I think what I love about it more and more is that every time I think I know what it's about, I have this kind of new experience when I'm like, is that what it's really about? Mm -hmm. I don't maybe know what it's really about mm -hmm. other than I feel like it's, a, it's an homage to genres that in these little scenes have kind of convey certain truths about Brazil. Like if I were to say, I think that's what I, I'd say, but I... Last time I saw it, for example, there's a lot of discussion how it's a weird Western because now the, the, the locals, right, which right. they're a very mixed bunch. I mean, and, you know, there's a, there's a whole whorehouse on the premises. There's a sense of kind of libertarian uh, understanding and tolerance. There's a sense of racial diversity, of gender diversity, mm -hmm. and they're now defend themselves and so that and there's this clear cut to a certain extent of these outsiders who are clearly bringing the evil to the town mm -hmm. and this kind of very tightly knit wonderful population that will defend itself and so that very much goes to this good and evil i think idea that and mm. it very much populates the westerns i mean yeah but on the other hand last time i watched it i had this experience that it's it's a brilliant horror story. Mm -hmm. And I really love that because mm -hmm. I think that there's always part of the horror genre that resists understanding. I mean, mm -hmm. the, I think that there's a certain shock value in horror that upends our social expectations, which mm -hmm. I, from the conversations that I had with Kleber and Giuliano, it seems like that very much goes to what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that... There's a certain representation of far populations or our poverty in Latin American cinema. I mean, they were speaking of ethnographic films and saying that certainly there's now much more nuance in a lot of the documentaries. But at that time, when they were watching documentaries, they felt like there was a certain expectation 
of how people are going to be portrayed as these, I guess in Portuguese we would say coitados, I mean the, the poor, the little poor man uh-huh. who is incapable of kind of defending themselves. And so um, in a way the specific village of which on some level you don't expect much and that's just utterly <laughs> upended. Right. And, but it's beautifully introduced precisely through the genre of horror because I think this very idea that as you arrived into Bakurao, into this town in the middle of nowhere, um, you have these coffins, right? I mean, there's a truck that was overturned right. and so there is a justification for what you're seeing but what you're really seeing are these bizarre coffins in the middle of nowhere. So Bakurao is already a place in which you kind of, the road to the to Bakurao is through cemetery, basically. And as they're having, as they're having the procession, I mean, there's a matriarch, right? A black matriarch who dies and Teresa is coming because it's her grandma mm-hmm. who just died. And so she's coming to the funeral and they're having these this gorgeous procession. And there's this very mournful music, um, that talks about Shango and kind of the deities of black Brazilians and coming from the African diaspora. But it's all inserted into this ghost story. And as she's looking, Teresa's looking at the coffins and she has this sudden vision that is absolutely out of a horror film. Uh, that's just this water pouring out of the coffins. Mm-hmm. And it's in the context of this little social movie of this drama of how I'm here to mourn my grandmother and we are a wonderfully tied community and all that, this this image of water suddenly gushing out. I mean, it's just, it comes at you out of nowhere, but I think with the music, with this kind of ghostly evocation of spirits and the song already uses the word bakurao, which is a nocturnal, I think, I'm not sure if it's nocturnal, but it's a type of bird. Oh, right, mm-hmm. That is very clever at camouflaging itself, uh-huh. and and so it talks of spirits and of haunting, and so I, so subtly. But I mean, we have already entered into right. the realm of horror, and I think as we progress towards this population defending themselves and the gore, all of that has been set out. So yeah. I mean, it's really it's it's kind of fantastic. Yeah. As an homage, I mean, to see that, I just, every time I come back, I find something new that... Yeah, because each, each time you watch it, there's, I mean, you, you obviously, you know, the, the, you know um, what the mystery is, but, but then you pick up on other little bits of the mystery that, uh, as, as it goes. And I mean, I, I just love how the movie, the village clearly has its own, or town clearly has its own rhythm to it. Um, and that's the way they open it. It's it's not disrupted by anything yet because it's just moving along and it's it's very nuanced and and well realized. Um, and then you have uh, the, the rhythm of like these the the westerners who are there for sport, basically of the worst kind, um, is totally different. It just it just it it's I mean it immediately feels wrong. Um, yeah, and it's, it's and jarring. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. jarring. It has a yeah. way of kind of like jarring you out of your yeah comfort. Yeah. Of what you're watching. Yeah. And um, Udo Kier, who's like often a sort of almost camply kind of villainous type or or just insinuating kind of guy. I mean, I, this is a movie where it's nice to let viewers, you know, experience it for themselves. But he's he's somehow orchestrating whatever this this um, evil evil is um, mayhem. May, evil mayhem is. Yeah. Very. I mean, they've the other thing you realize early on is that somehow the village has been wiped from the map basically which right. is, is kind of like 
hyper modern touch to it that it's no longer on some form of Google Maps and therefore doesn't exist anymore, which is an, a nice a metaphor <laughs> and reality, I guess. But I mean, you were mentioning how um, I mean there there's a nuanced kind of history involved. Um, could you talk about a bit like that region of Brazil and 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 what's special about that? It's a region of great contradictions, I guess, in many ways. And because on the one hand, when I interviewed Kleber and Juliana, we did talk about how many people don't know that those parts of Northeast are predominantly white, or at least certain communities feel very white. But the other side of the coin, and that many Brazilians also know or may not have heard enough about is that some of the larger Quilombos, which were the traditional communities of runaway slaves, were also in these areas. So this is the idea, right, that came to Kleber and Giuliano, is that the, when they arrived at the base, as I understood it, the base of where they were filming, the town, the wonderful town, where they encountered many people who are in the film, was predominantly white, and not far away there was a Quilombo, and that was an entirely... Afro-Brazilian, Black Brazilian community. Mm-hmm. And and those communities didn't have much of an interaction and then they decided to kind of mix it up to very much bring this idea of pr- principally, right. mainly the Black Brazilian resistance. Because Quilombos, as communities of runaway slaves, I mean, they had their own distinct culture. But at mm-hmm. some point, there were so many of them mm-hmm. uh, that they were essentially a federation I mean, and until they were extinguished very violently. And and I think that in the Brazilian context, it relates very much to this idea that I think for a while was propagated of, um, you know, end of slavery as something that was handed down to black, black Brazilians, that, you know, there was a law that the queen very magnanimously signed into law. And that kind of erased the entire history of black Brazilian resistance mm. and of how those Colombos actually fought as nations or as federation. Um, and I think the filmmakers very much want to bring it in. So that's what Bacurau is, because Bacurau, as a town, it has this historical museum, which is all hung with guns, right? <laughs> right? And so the Brazilian backlands and Sertão has certainly seen a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, at times, there's this myth of Brazil as a peaceful nation because it didn't have a war of independence, uh, per se, Um and that erases all these other resurrections that happened. And a big part of it are the black Brazilian resurrections, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what the history of Colombo is. And it's very beautiful how, you know, evil comes to Bacurau as it had come in the past. Mm. So here's a place that's already haunted, as in a horror story, I mean, essentially. Right. So you already have these ghosts, and now yeah. these guns disappear to be used once again. And then Udo Kier, when they're when once they are done, and I won't reveal too much. But once they're done with him, yeah. the evil is again <laughs> buried. I mean, it's literally buried, right? right. So yeah. I mean, it's a very beautiful kind of circle of, and like a horror cautionary tale, basically. Yeah. You, yeah. When you come to Bakurao, be prepared <laughs> to be undone by Bakurao. I mean, and no, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I I saw that um, when Bakura comes and plays here there are going to be all kinds of things happening around it Mm -hmm. which i think is so fantastic because the retrospective or or rather the program that was Mm -hmm. that's going to be curated 
by Kleber and Giuliano at film at mm-hmm. Lincoln Center will be such a great context for all the homage to genre. Um, Mapping Baccarat is is the series um, you're, you're talking about. Um, and that's sort of, a, it's an interesting mix because just like the movie and the homages you're, you're mentioning, um, it's a mix of Brazilian film and also of American. So um, you have um, Eduardo Coutinho, um, and with 20 years after, 20 years later. Um, and But you also have um, The Wicker Man and Wake and Fright um, and Starman as well. Um, so it's an interesting mix. But in your own piece, writing about um, Baccarat, um, you mentioned Luis Espina, that a movie of his is actually came to mind when you were watching, uh, Pure Blood. Yeah, well, I... I interviewed Luis Espina, I think, a, a year ago, so it was very much on my mind because he passed away also recently, but also for a different reason because there's a very strong connection between, I think, what um, Kleber and Juliana were talking about in terms of this kind of ethnographic cinema, which has a way of exoticizing, for lack of a better word, exoticizing poverty mm-hmm. and, and having a... a a deep down a patronizing attitude or or the kind of attitude that confirms our expectations of what poverty is and how poor people live, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that's an idea that's been around in Latin American cinema um, for a very long time. And that, and Luis Ospina, who was one of the filmmakers who wrote the poverty porn manif- manifesto mm-hmm. and that was back I think in the 70s mm-hmm. um, where certainly and also certainly Glauber Horsha etc I mean when they were putting a Latin American cinema on the map and with Luis Ospina I guess because he always has the had this idea of vampirism as a vehicle to talk about on one hand how the West looks upon Latin America mm-hmm. um, and and that we have this vampiric experience with with poverty. I mean, the way it's being consumed by the media, the way it's being exposed and, and treated. And on the other hand, a genuine love because he was trained as a filmmaker in the United States, a genuine love mm-hmm. for genre. Mm-hmm. So that's why Pure Blood as, as on one hand, uh, just a beautiful homage to vampire stories, but also reimagining what a vampire story would be like in Latin American context. Wait, what? what with pure blood, with Luis what's, Espina. What's the pure? What's the story of pure pure blood? As far as I remember, um, a wealthy elderly man who's severely ill and who survives by prying on young poor victims, on young boys who are being kidnapped from the streets from for blood okay. transfusions. Right. So a very, very gory tale. So a, a practice not unlike the rumored Silicon Valley practice of having blood boys. Yes, okay. exactly. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Jay Hoberman on Thomas Heise's essay film Heimat is a Space in Time, Michael Kresge on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Plus, Spike Lee's trusted costume designer Ruthie Carter, Isabel Huppert in Lulu, George Romero's Lost Film, and much more. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. I mean, that brings me to another thing about that comes up in your interview, um, which is, I think Claybert at one point says, you know, 
he he can't really remember seeing a lot of movies where the like rich white figures are 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 just outright villains and yeah. and which then you kind of have an interesting exchange about because you kind of wonder aloud whether some of the dialogue or some of the portrayal of of the villains in the movie um you know might seem a little i don't know like a, like a caricature or not but that was that's an interesting yeah, the tables I mean, are turned. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and then it's going to be a question, I think, with the American audience. Although, I mean, it was already a question because right. I guess they were at a festival when someone asked about oh, that. That's right, yeah. Why are they so obviously villainous? And and I guess Kleber's response was, well, aren't we, or in the U.S. as viewers, aren't we used to seeing villainous Arabic characters in right. films about terrorism and aren't we used to seeing why are there all the Mexican locations so dusty and, mm. and dirty and why the Western locations are always so right. neatly looking and so on. So I think it's a it's a question of of presentation and representation. Yeah. But it will be a good question. I mean of what the audience are those dialogues purposely i mean juliano is defending the fact that that no these characters are very much motivated um but i think at the same time they ran away with it a little bit in terms yeah. of yeah they're outright villains i mean yeah they're they're kind of like not great people i mean just imagine if you had a friend who on the weekend was going down to brazil to to shoot human beings i mean they're probably maybe not like great people it's interesting <laughs> enough because i live in brazil so what landed for oh, me and sure, i imagine yeah. it, it landed in that way for i mean i can only presume for brazilian viewers was that yes the outsiders are are coming in um but the truly kind of galvanizing figure an interesting figure for me was of course the politician hmm. that just outrightly that is very much brazilian Mm -hmm. That is basically utterly motivated out of his self-interest and that sells out this town and has always been selling it out. I mean, right. he's not, I mean, this town doesn't have proper medicine, everything that he promises. I mean, he promises mm -hmm. them a library. He brings them off a truckload of books that he just yeah, dumps books. in the middle of the street. The The medications that they get are expired. Are, are, are expired and are going to make them go berserk, but then right. they take their own medications that are also kind of suggestive as if they're like some kind of hallucinogenic or, or like I'm not a, just, sure. Just like kind they of keep this. on, they pop in the pill. I never, I never got to ask Kleber what that is that they, it's, it's almost like they're the equivalent of Soma from Brave New World. Just yeah. the stuff that's going to keep, it basically Prozac. Right. <laughs> but but that's is that what they keep on taking? Well, I think that's what they're trying to get them to take. I I didn't I couldn't tell if they and people end up taking them. No, because um, there's actively shots of people oh, taking something. Well, yeah, that stuff. There's this I didn't double act, yeah, suggestiveness. That's true. Yeah, yeah. If they're actually taking something that's all of their own doing. Mm, Although right. I remember when one of the outsiders is injured, they also pop in a pill. They ask her, do you want to live? Yeah. And then they pop in a pill. So it seems like Bakurao has its own answer. But it seems like Bakurao is the place where everyone dumps and sells them whatever cheap version of of Western prosperity there is. But they have figured it out long ago, how to survive without help thank you very much yeah they kind self of. They i mean that's that's kind of seems to be the spirit they're self-medicating there is used to be the spirit of baccarat yeah yeah i mean um that that um just about the politician just to kind of flesh it out a little this is a guy that we see early on who's basically canvassing for their votes um in town and then 
yeah, clearly just, you know, is, 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 is the worst kind of politician who's like pretending he's a false friend, a false ally, um, and seems to maybe have had some connection with, yeah, selling off their, their, their town for the purpose of this hunt or whatever it is that's occurring with, with the Westerners. Um, but, um, the mention of the, the pharmaceuticals, um, that comes up in this scene where the a doctor played by Sonia Braga explains to people, here's the drugs that this mayor, uh, mayoral candidate or whatever he is, politician is brought to us. You can take them if you want, but they're all like expired or something. So she gives them the choice. It's this amazing kind of like open crowd scene, this kind of open meeting they have. Um, so what I'm saying is the movie really uh, takes pains to show you how it's a collective, like like the city is very communal. It's a very communal town. Decisions are like left to the people. Um, and so that's something else. Um, and I think that comes across even in the way it's shot. And that's something else that came across in your discussion. The idea of the widescreen that they're shooting in, in a widescreen Panavision. Um, and so that seems to be another thing they were really intent on was getting the sense of the of the whole, the collective, the whole, the town. Yeah, I mean, from what they described to me, it sounded like they arrived on location and then went from person to person and kept asking around who's interesting, who they should mm-hmm. talk to. And yeah. and and if there was going to be a magical Bakurao, it needed to arise from the people that are actually there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Kleber and Juliana felt extremely fortunate that there were just so many remarkable persons on the ground and so many remarkable faces. Because yes, with the cinemascope, I mean, there are so many moments where it's just this broad canvas of, of faces. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, they said that came with the challenges of staging, of mm-hmm. obviously as a collective of having, I mean, it's like a performance, a choreography, right, of bodies in space. Yeah. Um, and then it wrapped into full-blown choreography in, in those dance scenes, like which is cap- very capoeira. beautiful. Yeah, in yeah. the capoeira. Um, but yeah, it seems like, and that again, you know, wanting to have this this real element. Maybe that's why when you mentioned 20 years later, Eduardo Coutinho, I think it's so beautiful mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm the Brazilian documentary tradition is going to be in this program because to insist on that documentary element, right? But then mm-hmm. to have it become part of this very creative film is yeah, is very beautiful. Yeah, um, in in the in the mapping um, Bacurau series, yeah, the it's a movie like I don't I don't want to oversell it as a movie that's like like wham bam like shotgun violence every other minute because it actually it has this build to it it definitely has a build to it i mean shocking stuff happens early but um which is no spoiler i mean if you've read the description but there's also a bit of a slow burn to it because there's this slow burn of realization as the as the town sort of understands that uh something's going on that like these two people on motorcycles who come into town in these ridiculously colored motorcycle suits are maybe not as friendly as they appear um and it's it's what it's like a in the 130s in terms of the length of the movie um i feel like that's also a definitely a choice by the filmmakers uh yeah sure i think taking <laughs> taking the pleasure in in the details of each scene yeah. i mean if anything yeah. for me that's the one thing that I take away from Kleber Mendoza Filho's entire mm-hmm. career. I mean, that's what I loved about, I mean, Neighboring Sounds was a, was a pretty tight 
knitly wound thriller. But Aquarius, for example, had this remarkable quality of delectating in the objects. I mean, there were certain scenes in Aquarius that for me were almost Proustian. I mean, it felt like Clover was definitely filtering something through the prism of his memory. And there was a texture to object and the insistence of of the physicality of the apartment, of where Sonia Braga's character was living, etc. And I think all of that is, again, in, in Bakurao. And even in the, you know, in the narrative setup of these scenes, you talk about the two strangers, you know, it's a kind of classical tale. It's also, I mean very much dedicated to classical storytelling. So you have strangers who arrive in the town and the first strangers that come are these kind of hip to motorbikers coming in these colorful suits. And uh, But there's a little scene that happens right there where there's a musician from this town um, that kind of makes up a little tune of the very much of the Sertam, typical of the Sertam, I guess, uh, that on the spot where he's singing to them. And what he's singing to them about is that you city people have a way of looking down on us. And so it's already kind of like, here's the setup for this story also of how Bakurao is this place that has always been undermined and neglected. and Yeah, and just going back to Aquarius, uh, which I'm really glad you mentioned, because I have to say, you know, um, that's a movie that I don't really think got its due. I mean, really, really amazingly accomplished portrait. Um, same thing in many ways as, as Bakurao and, and, and neighboring sounds in showing a detailed social portrait but just completely um, also in, in tune with like very pressing social issues um, um, without ever feeling that it's preaching to you either. Um, qualities actually that a lot of people talk about in terms of Parasite, for example. Um, but Aquarius, yeah, giving the space and the time, literally the time to appreciate Sonia Braga and her, her character um, in, in full. Um, and Proustian, I, I totally agree with that. And Baccarat, um, you know, is, is uh, also, I think, about giving the time and the room and the space uh, to, the, to this particular community. Um, and yeah, which also has a double purpose because that lets the menace kind of build more so, so that the payoff um, is, um, is significant. Um, do you want to talk about a bit the uh, a couple of the ca- other characters in in the town uh, some interesting characters like the bandit character and, sure. and, that and actually the bandit i mean there's almost a double bandit right because there are sort of two bandits you mean yeah so we have acacio who's this bandit who's trying to recover his life i mean right. it's this idea after right um he appears to have been essentially hitman yeah and i mean it's an interesting because here i was going on and on how about this village has only these epic but very admirable characters right. and yet it totally not so so yeah. i mean right there yet another upending yeah. because as a matter of fact not at all i mean yeah. but i mean it's interesting because this idea of acacio of a man who will redeem himself entirely and is very much trying to reconstruct his life i mean i don't know that's yet another story that's that isn't really too often told i mean in mm. in the media i mean he could have been just a flat character right and um yeah. and the other one of course is the bandit uh which very much represents sort of the history of 
Brazilian banditry of the Congasso and kind of the backlands, mm-hmm. and that is much more closer to kind of the Western, mm-hmm. you know, archetype of a bandit. But yet again, is treated differently because here we have Lunga Lunga, who's a queer bandit, mm-hmm. um, and you know, who's lavish and outrageous and 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 over the top and also prone to violence and somehow yet. Yeah entirely admirable i mean it's interesting how even how that character in particular i mean generates such a i mean at least for me a conflicted response because you Mm. you you can't but admire him and yet he is so violent that at the end of the film one of the characters says don't you think you're overdoing it and he just says no (laughs) i mean that's that's lunga for you yeah and just the gloss you said uh what's the congasau is a congaseiro what's that um, well, so these were like roaming, roaming ba- uh, bandits of the backland, uh, but very much in the in the tradition of you know giving to the poor. I mean, in, in the second of folk, in the folkish version of it, of kind of robbing the rich and and giving to the poor, and so they're they're bandits, but at the same time elevated as these rural warriors in many ways, but at the same time, very much violent figures. Right. Yeah. Talking about, I mean, the, where it fits into traditional figures like that, um, cultural figures, also makes me wonder just where this movie fits in in terms of contemporary Brazilian culture and Brazilian politics. Um, we mentioned a little bit, <laughs> we mentioned a little bit how it is very popular in Brazil. And I mean, I'm sure many listeners are painfully aware of this, but Brazil is going through um, a certain amount of turmoil. I don't mm-hmm. know if you want to kind of sketch out the, the political scene and how a movie like this might kind of hit land there. Yeah, I mean, I'm so on on so many levels. I mean, we could talk about. I mean, when we talk about, for example, the quilombos, right? And the, um, those are traditional Black Brazilian communities that under Lula, I guess, gained a certain legal right to claim land and to establish Mm. communities there. And now they're kind of languishing and waiting. Many, many of these communities are waiting for the permits to actually continue their Mm. traditions and to have the right to the land. And um, so, yeah, I think we can think of Bakudao as celebration of difference, first of all. I mean, this Mm -hmm. idea that this town isn't... It's not your PG-13 version of a town. I mean, I think mm-hmm. in this town we are all adults and and some of us with various um, vices. I mean, Dominguez, I think, is probably as a shrew, as this very difficult doctor who's mm-hmm. potentially an alcoholic and difficult to be around with and yet is admired and is has a certain flintiness to her and mm-hmm. is a lesbian and is very unspoken and is absolutely embraced in all of mm-hmm. her variety. I mean, I think she very much represents that. Um, but at the same time, there's just enormous tolerance and the sense of that black Brazilians, that the queer folk, that women, I mean, all of these kind of portions of the populations that are now very much under attack Mm -hmm. from the right wing um, lobby. Yeah. um, You know, has a platform here. So yeah, Bakurao is very much resistance, I think, and on those terms, very much so. Yeah. And and then there was, I mean, there's the right wing government has not been exactly friendly to 
you know, <laughs> all, all kinds of cinema in Brazil. Well, I think cinema, I mean, it's, it's really struggling. I mean, I, I was mm -hmm. reading the news the other day um, that there are something like 400 projects that are frozen and absolutely wow. in limbo. Mm -hmm. So these are films that apparently applied for a grant and, um, and producers who are actively told that they would receive it and now they're waiting for mm -hmm. that money to move on with production um, and they don't know how long they'll be waiting. So that has spread a lot of fear mm -hmm. in the industry because no one is able to move forward with shooting a film if they are uncertain that they will be able to pay their right. production crew and so on. So, I mean, 400 projects is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and th there's 19 films coming to Berlin, which um, there will mm -hmm. be Brazilian cinema in, in the competition with Marco Dutra, who you know, was the filmmaker behind, the co-director behind mm -hmm. Good Manners, which was such a fantastic... And speaking of genre, I mean, yeah. that was yet another yeah. love poem to genre and this time to horror and to musical and to love stories with mm -hmm. a queer angle. I mean, everything yeah. was there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that... Bakurao, I mean, I think Kleber, the, uh, the way Kleber and Juliana described it, you know, Bakurao has given them a lot of hope. It was certainly very mm -hmm. fortifying to be part of this journey and to acknowledge in Bakurao, via Bakurao, the progress that mm -hmm. Brazil has made, um, the battles that have been fought and have in fact been won, at least partly won. Yeah. Um, and this kind of you know, confirmation and solidification of civil rights in many ways and mm -hmm. winning the kind of liberty of expression. But at the same time, I think that there's, for both of the filmmakers, an enormous ache mm -hmm. of thinking uh, of so much of Bakurao literally being undone. Yeah, you never know when, you're, when your town might be besieged. It might be besieged. <laughs> right. But I, I guess the only message of fortification is in that of strength is that mm -hmm. your town has been besieged. Your town has seen plenty of times what it looks yes, like. that's true. When you're under threat. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, in that sense, it's, it's, yeah, it's a vision, a vision of, of community in, in, in a way that does not make that sound corny. <laughs> like it's very, very clear about the struggle and, and the, and the costs involved to maintain that, um, against, uh, pretty brutal odds, um, in this movie. Um, well, uh, I, I think... I think we've covered Baccarat from a number of angles with while also trying to preserve some of the, the mystery in it. Should we talk a bit? Uh, we, I guess we can just um, mention that people should also definitely uh, look, uh, look out for Aquarius and Neighboring Sounds if you haven't already seen them. Um, those, are, those are also very rich films. Um, yeah, and maybe also look out for even for shorts in the case of Clever Mendoza Filio because I mentioned the horror and I think the I think in English the translation of one of the shorts is green vinyl. It's Vino Vergi, which I love. It's this tiny horror story, but I think it gives you a really nice taste. Um and uh, Recife Frio, which is also the cold Recife, which is kind of like a pseudo sci-fi, pseudo documentary. I mean, it's interesting how some of these themes are kind of present throughout Clever's career. Yeah. Um, and I think also because Recife Frio, I mean, there's a humor. That's the other thing we didn't talk about. But mm. Bakurao is actually quite funny. Yes, very true. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. These characters, the protagonists, they, they have such an immense 
I don't know, generosity towards each other, but are also able to somehow sustain the the dark with the good humor throughout mm-hmm. this adversity. Yeah. I mean, I think that the the scene with, you know, Lungu Lunga, when she he comes out, the the queer mm-hmm. bandit comes out with, you know, the well, I, I don't want to reveal too much. But anyway, <laughs> when he's done with his gory business yeah. and someone asks, don't you think you're overdoing it? I mean, it's a, it's like cracking a joke, basically, in the middle of this um, of this Western. So, I mean, it's kind of like slight, tiny moments of meta, but I think that there's such a joy that's coming out of the fact that these are also the protagonists who are very much... Uh, persons who are non-actors, persons who are mm-hmm. living in this town. I, mean, I don't know. There's something about we're here and we're making this movie together. Yeah. yeah. Um, which extends the sense of community onto the screen and off the screen, and yeah. which is really profoundly enjoyable and can be very funny in places. Yeah, and and is a it is a sort of a contrast to the to the kind of sort of sour humor of 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 the of the the, the rich rich folks who are who are uh, I, I, I guess just, i don't know i just i guess I, the only bad thing about the the, the white folks is that they are so humorless <laughs> yeah that's, that's the, the thing that's the, that's the yeah. thing yeah i mean because they're the, yeah they're not they, they're not the movie doesn't really delight in like their the, their irony or their sarcasm they really or just their violence for they that just matter seem pretty douchey <laughs> basically they seem like just kind of these b-movie cast-offs whereas everyone in the rest of the movie seems a bit more um um, interesting i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like yeah um i don't know one other weird little tidbit which i hope no one like kills me for mentioning but i don't know if it's related to this but you know how there was this studio film the hunt that was originally going to be released last fall and i don't know exactly why but with a plot about just sort of openly inflammatory plot involving Cubans hunting down humans specifically i i don't know who cares whatever the point is that's that's now going to be released i don't know if it's somehow related to bakrao being released but i have not seen the hunt i have seen bakrao see bakrao <laughs> yes see bakrao that's the final thought <laughs> um that's a good that's a good final thought um and you can read the feature uh, ella's feature and interview in full um in our march april issue um, and then, as you mentioned, there is just a lot of uh, fun stuff showing in the Mapping Baccarat series at Film at Lincoln Center. Um, if I sound like I'm plugging, it's because these are fun movies, so see them. Um, but in any case, uh, Ella, thank you for taking thank the time you. to talk about uh, Baccarat. Thank you, Nick. You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by Film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Michael Kresge on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com.